Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Love you too, Joe. <laughs> Love all of you. Um, what an honor to be here. Uh, what an honor to be able to stand up here and and share what the Lord has put on my heart. This place is this place is so special to me, but not just because the building, but because the the people who are in here. The way that the name of Jesus is exalted in this place, the truth that just floods through this place. There's there's power here. The Lord loves this place, but he loves your hearts and the way that you lift up his name. And that means something. Pure hearts, pure worship. It says in Matthew 5, blessed are those with pure hearts because they will see God. And man, over the past week, haven't we seen God? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man, I could... Oh. So awesome. It's so awesome. So I'm so happy that Peyton introduced me because if this is your first time in here, I just get, we were going to break the ice and let you know I am not the head pastor of this church. <laughs> oh no, not a chance. Um, <laughs> but I do have the pleasure of serving uh, under Peyton in, in a youth group. And where's all my youth at? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Love. Love, love, love pouring into them. It is such an honor to serve under Peyton, to serve with the team, and uh, to be able to pour out into them. And not just that, but for, for them to pour into us. Like, it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Like, we learn just as much from them as they do from us. And there, there's power in that. And there is, this, this church is generationally backed. We, got the, we have the kids who we just sent off to, to kids' church. Like, they are backed by the younger generations. The younger generations are backed by the middle generation. The middle generations are backed by the older generations. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to work. Jesus loves that. He absolutely adores that. I'm so honored to be able to be with you guys today. But fun fact, I haven't always, uh, we haven't been coming to Church 214 for, for the longest time. We've only been a part of uh, this body of believers for about uh, about a year and a half, maybe. Um, we were, we, my wife and I lived in Bloomington before we were married and we were going to, we were going to a church in Bloomington and we were, we were rooted in, in our church there. We were serving, we'd been serving for a long time. I can't tell you how much I learned about the Lord there. And, and then come one day, uh, Sylvie ends up finding an Instagram video of kids jumping around in front during, during worship and if you know my wife, like, that is exactly how the Lord's going to tug on her heart. <laughs> I'm like, I was, and she was like, oh my gosh, you got to take a look at this. And can we actually play that, can we play that video real quick? Uh, uh. They got baby red up there too, dude. Oh my gosh. And so that's what the Lord used to call on my wife, but that's also my, the Lord uses Sylvie to speak to me all the time. 
it's so crazy. Bless the Lord for our wives. Bless the Lord for the women of this church. I... <clears throat> and so, obviously, Sylvie reaches out, and, and can we put up the message that she ends up sending, uh, sending to Leah? This is a church service or a worship service? In Peoria? What? Oh, man. And look at that. This place knows, this house knows how to worship. It's not anybody up here. It's not anybody out here. It's the hearts turned to the Lord. And, and that drew her in. And of course, she's like, oh my gosh, let's go check it out. Let's go check it out. And, and uh, you know, something as powerful as that, you know, some, out of all this context, you'd think that I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. But I was like, nope. <laughs> 45 minutes on a Sunday morning, like, bless my mom and my dad and, and Tammy, my mom and dad's friend for coming because... That was, a, that was a drive that I didn't want to make. Like, I was like, we got 20 minutes across town to go worship the Lord and, and serve over there. And, and I held to that, but she's persistent. And she chirped in my, she chirped and chirped. And, and eventually I was like, okay, let's, let's go. Come on. And because we knew that something was going on over here. We were at a, a transitioning period in our lives and we could tell that the Lord was speaking to us and we were just trying to submit to wherever he was leading us to. And, and that was here. And we walked in that first day and I'm telling you that it, like there was electricity in the air, like walked in, you just saw, you saw joy running free. There was a, there was a, there was just a peaceful, peaceful feeling going on in here. And I remember Katie Simbersky was uh, preaching on the heart of David and David's humanity and his brokenness. And, and I mean, I was, oh, I was so drawn to that. She was speaking a prophetic word, and I, and I don't even think that she realized it, but she was speaking right to my heart. And, oh, man, and I'm so grateful now that that's, that's what the Lord did. And that's what, and he's drawing us to him, closer to him. He's, he's saying, hey, I'm going here. Will you come with me? Even if it's 45 minutes away. And I totally will. I totally will. And so that's a little bit about me and, and my wife. And so, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, dive into the word today. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and let's call on the Lord. Let's have him uh, open our eyes and open our ears and uh, till up the soil around our hearts so that his work can penetrate. Jesus, we love you. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Lord, for always chasing after us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that in times where we're faithless, Lord, you're faithful. I thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, you're the same today, and you'll be the same for all eternity, Lord. Father, I ask as we dive into your word today, Lord, there is something in your word, there is something in this message for each and every heart in here today. So, Father, I ask, open us up. Open us up, Lord. I lay down everything that is of my flesh, and Lord, I ask you to speak through me, Lord. I'm preaching to myself. Father, do what only you can do today. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, we're going to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
and we're going we're gonna to start out there today. We've been in a Uncommon series, and oh man, it's been, it's been very eye-opening. Uh, Heather started us out uh, talking about how we are in a Kairos season, and to not miss what the Lord is doing in this season, because even if we just sit here and talk about the testimonies from this week, you'll know that the Lord is moving. Do not miss out on what He's doing in this season. And then Ike came up and preached, and he was talking about how we're an uncommon people called by an uncommon God to build an uncommon kingdom. And so with that, we're going to dive into chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1, and yeah, we'll see where this takes us. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes? Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you. Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. And now Samuel did not not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. So there's something profound going on here. There's something crazy going on here. Uh, we have, a, we have a young boy named Samuel, and we've got an old guy named Eli. And, and Samuel's learning at this time to, to discern the voice of the Lord. He hears the Lord calling Samuel. And, you know, I think it's pretty common that, that if I were young and I was hearing the Lord, shoot, right now too, sometimes. If I hear the voice of the Lord, I'm going to go run to the closest person that I'm, you know, encounter with and and so Samuel's learning about the voice of the Lord he's discerning the voice of the Lord and and he doesn't get it right the first time but you know what that's okay to the Lord because he's gentle and you can see the gentleness and the flexibility in the Lord here and I, I kind of find it funny too Eli the priest Eli doesn't even get it right first couple of times like Eli doesn't realize at first because messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And so we see here the Lord's patience and his gentleness as he's trying to raise up a prophet in Israel. And it's so important that Samuel understands and chooses to accept the fact that the Lord is speaking to him and that the Lord has something for him. And and that's impactful not only to Samuel, but that's also impactful to Israel at the time. 
And because if we do a little bit of a recap of Israel at the time, um, there's a reason why it says messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And if we just take a recap from, let's go from Exodus to Samuel. Okay, so the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, but God comes and says, Note, Pharaoh, you're going to let my people go. And then God demonstrates his power. He sends the ten plagues. Pharaoh says, All right, get them out of here. And then they come up to the Red Sea. And then again, it's like, where are we going to go? And the Lord says, nope, I'm going to make a way. The Lord parts the Red Sea, and then he has them enter into the promised land. And it's just nonstop God's faithfulness after faithfulness after faithfulness. And then all in the midst of this story, Israel is continually sinning, continually sinning. And it's just faithlessness after faithlessness. So thank God that even whenever we are faithless, we serve a God who is faithful. And then we even have the time, it gets into the judges, and then all of that gets messy and ugly. And, and there is a, but thank God that the Lord is gentle and flexible with this. And so Samuel discerns the Lord's voice, and then Samuel's raised up as a prophet. But I don't want to elevate the gifts of Samuel in this passage. I want to elevate the heart of the Father in this passage because he continually is pressing after not just Samuel. He knows what he's going to do with Samuel. He's going to use Samuel to penetrate the hearts of Israel. And that's impactful to Israel because they need to come back to the Lord. And so we're going to skip down to uh, chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. This is, after, this is after the Lord gives Samuel a pretty impacting word that he has to go to Eli and tell to him. And, and so Samuel's in a conversation with Eli. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what the Lord thinks is best. Let him do what the Lord thinks is best. And can I tell you what the Lord's will in this, his will was not to trespass on the will of the people. He gave the people a choice. He gave the people a choice out in the wilderness. He gave them a choice at the Red Sea. He gave them a choice at the promised land. He gives them a choice daily to choose him, to trust him, to accept him. And he's not going to trespass on your will. And fun fact, today he's not going to trespass on your will. He's going to give you the opportunity to choose him. And it's, it's loud in the world right now. It's distracting in the world right now. And he's given us the choice to lay down all, all that noise, all those distractions, lay all that aside, and to choose the Lord. He's a God of redemption. He's a God of restoration. And that is his heart. And I can't tell you just, just like how there's so much power in that. And we can't miss the Lord's heart in, in this passage. We've got to focus on the heart of the Father because whenever we focus on the heart of the Father, the loudness and the distractions in front of us, they go away. Not physically, they're still there. But if we can fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen, that's whenever we experience true revelation. And you may be sitting here thinking like, like if, if there was so much death and there was so much destruction and how can you say that the, that the Lord was, was with his people at the time? Like how can, you say, how can you say that the Lord loves and cares and, 
and is compassionate for his people? How can you say that he has grace over them? And that's because if we go to uh, a passage in Exodus chapter 34 and take a look at verse 6, there's a declaration being made by the Lord himself on who he is. And if we can look at this, if we can look at this through the lens of this verse, I believe there's something to catch here. And so Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, I am Yahweh, Yahweh, a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And so this this passage is very powerful because, you know, we got compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in love and faithfulness. And we're just like, yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's who, that's who I serve. But then we get to the second half. And it says, uh, by no means will clear the guilty, visiting iniquity on fathers and, and children to the third and fourth generations. And then we have this, this tension. And at one point in my life, I had to, I have to, I had to come in agreement that, that not only is the first half of this love, the second half is also love. And, and so there's sin after sin, faithlessness after faithlessness uh, throughout Israel's history. But, but the Lord is, like I said, he's patient, he's gentle, and he's flexible. No, he does not like sin, but he will not, he will not, he will not forsake us. He will not leave us there. He will come and speak to a young boy and say, hey, Samuel, hey, Samuel, I need you to listen to me. I need you to listen to me because I got big plans for you. I got big plans for Israel. So it's important that you choose me. And I can't tell you how many times in my life that has been a thing. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've wandered off the path of the straight and narrow. And even if I think I'm going the right way, no. And he's sitting there telling me, (laughs) he's sitting there telling me, hey, Hey, Jason, like, this is it. I need you to stay with me. I need you to walk with me. And I'm going off to the side, and he's like, Jason, hey, come back, man. You're going to experience some hurt. You're going to experience some trials that I, didn't ex- that I didn't create you or that I didn't create for you. All right, you've got to come back to me. No, you've got to stop. Stop chasing after the worldly things. Stop chasing after the drugs. Stop chasing after the alcohol. Stop chasing after the women. I got a woman for you. He's just saying, come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. And you know, eventually you're going you're gonna to get so far, so far down the road. And it's just like, ah, this was not what I, this life isn't what I thought it was. Like there is pain, there is damage, there is destruction here. But I know that a God never leaves me and forsakes me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get going back. I got a long way to go. And after what feels like miles and miles and miles of running away from the Lord, I turn back and boom, bump into his chest and his arms are wide open. Because you, 
You can't get too far from him. You can't get too far from him. There's nothing that you do in the world. There is nothing that you do that's gonna t- that he's going to say, ah, that's it. That's it. That was it. That was it. I, I can't do that. Even, even in your accomplishments, he's going to be like, no, I, got, I still have better things for you. Enjoy, enjoy your accomplishments too. Like I'm proud of you for doing that, but come and choose me. Come and choose me. Don't let your accomplishments, don't let your accomplishments route your life. Let the Lord route your life. Stay on the straight and narrow with me. I've got bigger and better plans for you. There is more. And so I came in agreement that 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 passage is love, that we serve a God who is loving and that he's continually crying out to us. He was calling, he was crying out to the Israelites while they were in Egypt. He was crying out to the Israelites in the, in the promised land whenever David was king. And then like it continues back again. You would think that we got a king like David eventually. And then the Israelites are going to be like, okay, yeah, let's go. We got a king who is after the father's heart and we're just going to serve him and we're going to worship the Lord day and night. No, that's not how it went. If you read the rest of the Old Testament, that's definitely not how it went. But again, he is the God of restoration. He is the God of redemption. And he's continually calling us, continually calling us to come back to him, to turn back to him. And so how's he, how's he calling out to us today? Just like, just like we're Samuel, how is he trying to get us to discern his voice today? What is he doing? What is he using? Well, I can tell you what he did 2,000 years ago. He sent his son. He sent his son. He's looking down at the whole earth, and he's just like, man, they can't get it right. <laughs> so I'm going to get it right. I'm going to take a step down from my throne and I'm going to send my son and I'm going to have him do it. I'm going to have him I'm going to have him be the center of this restoration of this redemption plan. And so he sends his son. And you know what's crazy? All that time, all that time, even even if let's start with Samuel. Even with Samuel the first couple times he doesn't get it right. And the, the Lord's not going to sit there and be like, hey, I'm calling you. Come on. Can't you hear? No. He's not like that. And that's how it is right now. Like we, sometimes we think that, that the, like an audible voice of God is going to come down and, he, and just be like, hey, what you're doing right now, this right here, right now, this ain't right. You got to turn to me or else. It's not an or else. He's... He's a lot, he's, he's more loving than that. He's going to give us a choice. He's going to tell us, he's going to be like, hey, there's, there's consequences when you don't choose me. There's going to be consequences when you don't follow me, but those consequences are not because I don't love you. And so he sends his son. He sends his son, born of a virgin, in ultimate meekness, like, and we read throughout the prophets and, and the Israelites think that he's going to come, come riding in on a horse, giant sword, and he's just going to start slaying the Romans left and right. And that's also not what he does. You know, we, the Israelites had this expectation, this, this vision of what he was going to look like. They put him inside this little box. And, 
And again, I feel like that's, that's also what we do, we do today. You know, God, if you don't do this, you don't love me. God, if, you don't, if it doesn't look this way, then how are you for me? And so he sends his son to live a life that we could never live. And I used to always think, like, like what's that perfection look like? What does that life look like? And simply put, that life is Jesus loved God perfectly and loved others perfectly. That was his intention. That's what he wanted out of Israel. He gave them the laws. He gave them the covenants so that they would learn to love God perfectly and love each other perfectly. And he was going to use Israel to be the redemption plan and say, yo, love me and love everybody else perfectly so that they can see that I am in you and you are in me. But they couldn't get it right. So he sent his son. And after Jesus literally is living the perfect life in ultimate meekness and ultimate gentleness and ultimate flexibility, but boldness. Rome is sitting there saying, oh, man, there's this there's this man from Nazareth. He's performing miracles. He's man. He's got a following now. Like, oh, man, he's. What do we do? Like, uh oh, like he's going to come get us. We got to we got to go get him. And he's like, let's go to the let's go to the Israelites. We know that they hate him. And and so even the teachers of Israel at the time. They have this expectation on Jesus and and Jesus is performing miracles, signs and wonders and building up a following. And they were so corrupt and they were so prideful that they hated that. And. And so they're like, oh, man, we're gonna, We're going to we got to devise a plan to to get him. And they had this. They didn't have the right outlook on Jesus. They didn't see him rightly for who he is. And, and so they, they start getting aggressive and they start going after him. And, and he, st- he's, he claims that he, he is the great I am. And so, of course, they're going to devise a plan to take him down. And so that's exactly what they do. And Jesus, out of ultimate flexibility and meekness, he submits to that. He submits to that. He takes the whips. He takes the lashes and he takes the cross. And he didn't have to. He didn't have to at all. He was fully man and fully God. Can I be honest? If I was in a position like that, thank God I'm not. If I was sitting there chained up and somebody was coming at me with a long stick to beat it over my back, First one, I'd be like, no, you, no, this is, this is not going to happen. And then they sit there and they scourge him with, with these leather whips with bones and pellets at the very end and totally open up his back. Fully man and fully God, you got to sit there and wonder how did he, how, what did he see? What was his focus? Even up to the point of the cross, like he carries it all throughout Jerusalem, all the way to Golgotha. Back tore wide open. People spitting on him and mocking him. And then they get up to the point where they put the nails in his hands and you know he's looking at it. You know he sees that they're about to hammer him in. 
fully man and fully God. He could have shot those nails right out at the Romans and he would have, would have been totally done. He didn't even need the 10,000 angels that are sitting there with their swords ready to go just saying, Jesus, call on us. We can't take this anymore. Like, it's time to be, like, we've got to come and get our Savior. But out of ultimate meekness and humility, he sits there and takes the full burden, the full weight of the cross. Why? For us, for you, for me, for Israel. Like, like he did it out of love. He did it because he had a true eternal perspective. His eyes were not fixed on the things that are seen because it was horrid. The cross is horrid. He had his eyes fixed on the things unseen, and that was him going back up to his Father in heaven. But can I tell you, he wasn't just focused on the fact of going up to the Father by himself. He was saying, if I can complete this, if I can finish this, all y'all are coming with me. Fully man and fully God, taking the full wrath of God, the cup of wrath poured out on Jesus for you and for me so that our sins may be wiped clean, so that the Lord may forget our sins. The cross is the most foundational, impactful, powerful story in history. There is nothing more powerful there is nothing more powerful because Jesus had every right to call it quits. He had every right to just be like, all right, I am done. I've had it. But he chose to go through. He chose to go through, and it was out of love. And he asked us one thing. Would you believe that? Would you believe that in faith? Would you put your faith and your understanding, even your lack of understanding, in that? And so he's calling out to us today. And I was thinking about it. What's the number one? What is the perfect verse to sit there and summarize all that up? And it's Jesus talking to Nicodemus in, chap in John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, 16. We all know this. Every one of us knows this. But the world today, we have Americanized this, this verse so much, this passage, that we don't see the impact of it. And when we sit here and we take in account the perfect life of Jesus and we look at and we take in account what the cross was and come to an agreement that whenever we believe this passage, there is more. And so John 3.16 Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the Lord's cry to us. This is the Lord's cry to his children. To come to him by faith, to come to the cross 
by faith. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed the name of God's one and only son. I used to struggle because I didn't understand the path to heaven. Like how, how do I know, how do I know that if I, my eyes go shut for good, how do I know that whenever I die, that I wake up and the Lord is in front of me right here? There had been times in my life where it was so confused, it was so complicated, and I was like, Lord, I just want, I just want to know. I just want to know, what do I do? Believe in my son. Believe in my son. My son is the road to salvation. Jesus is our salvation. It's not, and there's no sin in the world that can, that takes Jesus' love away from us. There is no, there is no accomplishment that we can get to, to where we have made it. It is his son, but what, but you could say, but I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've checked this box, and this box, and this box. But he's like, but have you believed in my son? And I've been there too, where I thought it was all about works. I thought it was all about works, and that we just had to be a good person to get to heaven. We just have to, we just have to love enough to get to heaven. Believe in his son believe in his son. From sin in the garden to salvation, God says, I'm going to restore and I'm going to redeem my people. I'm going to redeem my children. I'm going to bring them back to me. And that redemption that's transactional and the transaction is Jesus on the cross. But it doesn't stop at the cross. It doesn't stop at the cross. And this is something that is so powerful. Let me tell you something. If you're struggling in your faith and you're wondering what is truth, what is life, what is the real way, or if you are a believer in here right now, but your flame is dim, let me tell you, go to the cross. Go to the cross. The cross, the cross, and then to the empty tomb, this is what fans the flame. This is what ignites us. This is what ignites the believer even more, and this is what ignites the unbeliever. As believers, we gently and flexibly, the best way we can, and let me tell you, you got to call on the Lord to do this. We walk with unbelievers to the cross and we say, this is where I got this new life. This is for you too. And then you walk with them to the empty tomb and then you're like, hey, guess what? That same spirit, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit and the same power that is inside you and me. That is true riches. That is treasure. This world's going to tell you that you got to get to you got to get to this point. You got to you got to go buy all these things. They'll sit here and chirp at you materialistic stuff. Jesus is true treasure. He is true treasure. My man Paul writes about him too. Paul once saw turned to Paul. <laughs> But no, he, he writes a series of letters in the New Testament, the majority of it. And, oh man, I love, I love reading his letters because you can tell he's so passionate. You can tell that something super profound and impactful happened in his life. And we're going to jump to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 6. 
that guy right over. And we're going to see what he has to say. And I used to always wonder, like, how, how is Paul so, why is Paul so, uh, why is he so passionate? Like, what's going on here? And, and all you got to do is read his story. Like, he's going, he's going to persecute the very ones who call Jesus Christ Lord. And he's on the road to Damascus. And Jesus had a lot more in store for him. He's saying, Paul, I want your, Paul, I want your heart, man. I want your heart. So I'm going to come appear just as a light from heaven. A light from heaven shone around Paul. And Jesus started speaking to him saying, Paul, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me? And at that moment, Paul realizes that Jesus did raise from the dead. Jesus is Lord. And just like that, Paul is converted. So for those of you thinking that it's going to be a long, gruesome process, if you think that there's somebody in, in your life that can't be converted in an instant, I'm telling you, that, it, that can happen. That can happen. And so we go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. That's God's redemption plan. That both Jews and Gentiles, and we're the Gentiles, we're the other nations, who believe the good news, and the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The full gospel, the perfect life, the death, and the resurrection. It's not the full gospel if one of those is a part. You can't believe, you can't believe the cross and, and the resurrection if you don't believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. You can't, you can't believe the gospel if you say, well, he lived a perfect life and he, and he was put on the cross, but I don't know if he rose from the dead. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, died and rose again. And whenever we come into agreement with that, whenever we say, Lord, I believe that. I put my faith and my trust and my lack of understanding in that. And that is our road to salvation. He picks up in, in chapter 3, verses 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Paul mentions something there. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering. He's suffering. Paul's writing this out of a Roman prison. And whenever we walk with the Lord, there is, oh my goodness, whenever he lights us up, whenever things are going good, it's just like, oh Jesus, you are, you are Lord and I love you. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the joy. But it's not always going to look like that. It's not always going to look like that. Sometimes there's still going to be pain. There's still definitely going to be heartache. 
There's still going to be suffering, but count it all joy. Count it joy. Because whenever we suffer and go through that pain, it's the same pain that Christ went through. So feel honored. Picks up in uh, verses 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in, as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. His love goes deeper. His love goes longer. His, his love goes wider. His love goes higher. We've never arrived. We've never fully arrived. We never fully understand. There is always more, and there's beauty in that. There is beauty in that. If somebody's telling you, hey, I got all the answers right here, get out from under that wing. Get out from under that wing. That is, that is religion talking, and nah. He's not after religion. He's after your relationship with him. A true relationship, a true intimacy with him. And that's offered for everybody here. Every single person here. And he wants you so bad. Oh, man, he looks at you and he say, oh, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased with you. Now, would you just accept me? He's sitting there and he's, he's saying, Dalton, Dalton just to choose him, saying, Benny, Benny, Heidi, Briley, daily, daily. It's a daily thing, too. We got to die to ourselves daily. We got to die to our own agendas daily. It's not, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be in our agendas. He just wants us to choose him first so that he can be included in every single part of it along the way. If there is anything today that you capture from this, it is that the Father wants a true relationship with you, and there is one way to do that, and it's to accept His Son. That's the heart of the Father. We're going to pick up in the, let's see, chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Mm. Real quick. I got this Bible when I moved here. It was a gift from the Smiths. And it's a beautiful Bible. I look at this all the time and it's just a testimony of what God's been doing in my life and what he's going to continue doing and what he wants to do in yours. And I love it. On the back is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. <laughs> now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask think or even imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen y'all 
the Lord, the Lord wants you today. For the believers in his, in this room, He wants your flame to grow to just just burn brighter. If you find yourself in a seat here today and you say, "Well, I'm not I'm not fully sure that uh, I've accepted Jesus," today's that day. Today's that day. You may never have another chance to do it, and that is the importance of of His calling on us. Choose Him today, and your life will be changed forever. We're about to sing a song. We're about to close it out uh, with "Come to the Altar." And let me tell you, if you need if you need healing, if you need to break off some chains, if you feel if you feel oppressed right now, if you want your flame to burn brighter, or if you choose Him for the first time, I'm asking you, come to the altar. His arms are open wide. You can't get far enough away from him without turning right back around and bumping into his chest. That's how close he is to us. Can't get away from his love. You can't get away. We're going to close it out in prayer. Father, before we even speak, you know the words that are on our tongue. You count every hair that's on our head. You know exactly what's going on in our physical circumstances. You know our trials. You know our triumphs. And we just want to come to you today and just say we love you. We love you, Lord. As your children, we love you. We thank you that we can't get away from your love. We thank you that no matter how far we run, Lord, that your goodness and your mercies they follow us. I thank you that we're not saved by our works, but we're saved by your Son. So, Father, let us come into agreement. Let us come into agreement with the scriptures that we read today, Lord, and the testimonies that we've heard today, Lord. And let us come to you and say that you are Lord. We love you and we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name, Amen.